I, I love that. I love that. Traded, traded in the wrong for the right. Praise the Lord. I saw the light. Uh, that, that really is uh, the heart of today's message. And so uh, you can go home now, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks for saying. Uh, but we're, we're continuing this uh, prison break a message series where we're studying the, one of the letters of Paul. Um, an early follower of Jesus, uh, a letter that he wrote from prison. And it's the letter to the Ephesians. And Paul wrote this letter while in chains. And the irony is the, the love of God had set him free, even though he was in chains. And, and he was writing this, this message to these new Christians who, who themselves weren't in chains, but were finding themselves enslaved in many ways uh, similar to the ways that you and I could be enslaved today. Uh, but I don't want to get ahead of myself there. Uh, welcome. It is uh, fantastic to see each of you uh, here today. Uh, my name's Andy, and I, I especially want to welcome those of you who are uh, uh, newer to Troy UMC or possibly visiting today. Uh, I, I, it is my hope, my prayer, that you uh, encounter the love of God in such a, a powerful way today. Uh, that, that you would be set free, um, that we would each be set free from whatever prisons in, 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 you know, keep us uh, bound up. Uh, but, but so far in our Prison Break series, we've talked about a couple of those prisons that we could easily uh, find ourselves in that typically enslave us. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we took a look at, at the letter of Ephesians as a whole. And uh, if you were here, then you recognize this uh, diagram that outlines the six-chapter book of the Bible. I, I pointed out how it is, uh, how, how this letter really has uh, two main parts. Uh, the first half of the letter, chapters one through three, and then the second half, uh, four through six. Um, and, and without the first three chapters, if you just jumped straight to trying to live out the stuff in chapters four, five, and six, then, then that could... Uh, lead us into a prison, the prison of trying to live a, a morally upright life apart from the foundation of finding our identity in the amazing love of God, which he displayed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. If you miss, if you miss that first half, if you miss the foundation of God's amazing love for you, and, and you jump right into the second half, of trying to live an ethical, moral life, then, then you've missed the mark. Uh, you can easily, I, I see it all the time, uh, easily become enslaved to living a life trying to like perform for God, doing all the right things without a real relationship with God. And then last week we looked in detail at a section from uh, that first half, uh, chapter two, in the midst of Paul's prayer for us to experience this amazing love of God. And, and in this section, we saw how God rescued us from the prison of spiritual death, uh, a very real prison, uh, and, and instead made us alive with Christ. Uh, God made us alive, we learned, for a particular kind of life, uh, not to become uh, like the, the walking dead, uh, but to live a life of good. And I explained last week, I kind of promised that we would learn more about what that life of good is all about uh, this week. And so here we are. Today, uh, we're going to explore how a life with God is meant to break us free from the prisons of our past. 
You know, definitely, uh, I, I want to encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. Uh, you, you heard the, the passage uh, that we're studying today, uh, read earlier, and it is a long one. Uh, but I think that you will see how, how it has a very unified message, this, this longish passage, and, and really can speak volumes into each of our lives today. In fact, uh, you already have a jump start if you received a bulletin on your way in today. The message notes today uh, look like this. It's a, a chart. This isn't in the Bible directly, but it's kind of uh, in my study of the Bible, kind of the way I organized uh, this, this section. And so it's provided for you today, and you can follow along in that, especially if you don't have your Bible, you'll definitely want to follow along with that. Uh, and in your notes, you'll, you'll find these two columns on your left. <coughs> You, you have this column of the old way of life, the old self, described as living in darkness. Um, some translations say living in darkness like, like the heathen or the foolish who have no part in the life that God raises us to. And then on the, on the other side is the new life, the life that God made us alive for that God saved us from spiritual death so that we could be all about a life described as living in the light like the wise. Now, my study of this passage, <clears throat> excuse me, led to uh, these columns and these breakdowns in your message notes. The, these are not comprehensive. They, they, they probably don't cover everything. You could, you could study this passage and probably add to this yourself, but this is just a starting point and one that I uh, would like us to briefly uh, consider together uh, and, and then take a look at how that applies to our everyday lives. Um, but even that, that, that's not rocket science. Uh, so I, I think you will figure out pretty, pretty quickly how it applies. But uh, right at the beginning of this passage, which starts in uh, verse 17, uh, Paul essentially says, hey, don't live you're following Jesus now. Don't live like those who don't believe. Um, and then in verse 22, he, he spells this out. He kind of sets up what started my columns. He said, put off your old self, which be, is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Verse 24, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Notice, Notice here that these are actions. Paul, Paul is he's, he's telling those early readers and, and, and us too that, that these, these things don't just happen in your life when you become a Christian. These are things that you have, have to be a participate in. Uh, put off the old self. Get rid of it. Put on the new. Uh, you and I have something to do here. And Truth be told, it ain't, it ain't easy. <laughs> this, is, this is hard work, but it is possible by the grace of God, which is a free gift, uh, like we studied last week. So, so put off the old. Uh, but what does that look like? And, and what about the new? Uh, how do we put on the new? Uh, so let, let's, let's walk through this. Uh, just the, the, the next verse, uh, verse 25. Uh, uh, putting off the old involves putting off falsehood, and instead speaking truthfully. Uh, the, the old, uh, put off, uh, you know, no, no more sinful anger. In your anger, do not sin. Uh, a, a little bit later, verse 28, uh, 
uh, if you've been stealing, we, we must steal no longer. Instead, work with our own hands, have something to contribute to our community, those in need. Um, I, I love this. You know, as a, as a pastor parent, um, uh, you should pray for my kids uh, first off, but they get the sermon like the whole week uh, leading up, <laughs> up up to, you know, they started school this week. Uh, a, a lot of you have kids who started school. Some of you uh, are uh, young people who started school this week, and, and it's our practice, particularly when school session is ended, to have a little Bible study right before they go to school, and we pray uh, that to, to kind of apply those things to our lives. And this was one I kind of worked through this passage uh, with them this week because it's so applicable to stepping into to school life. And this is one that we really emphasize, verse 29, no unwholesome talk. That's the old self. Uh, the, the, the new self is, is speaking only words that build up. And, and we prayed, you know, you're going to be tempted to, to uh, join in unwholesome talk. Uh, but, but, you, you know, live, live in the light. Uh, you know, only words that encourage and build others up. Uh, verse 30, uh, I, 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 lo I love this verse. Um, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't make the Holy Spirit sad. Um, you know, the, the, the old life grieves the Holy Spirit. It, it makes God sad. Uh, God, God's spirit uh, for Christ followers is in us. It is the mark of God on our lives. Uh, the, the spirit is in us. We, re, we receive uh, the spirit of God when we confess our need for Jesus we, we invite him into our life, into our heart, and, and say, we want to follow you, God. When we receive the grace of God, that's, that, that is, that is the, the, the spirit is, is the mark of God's ownership of us. It, it, it communicates to us and to others that we belong to God, that, that, that we are God's children. We, we become his uh, others are supposed to see that. Um, uh, furthermore, the, the Spirit is also like a, a, a deposit uh, that, that we will uh, be able to receive the fullness of on the day of redemption. Uh, it's, you know, the, the promise that despite all the prisons that we might find ourselves in in this life, that one day we will be totally redeemed, uh, totally set free. Praise God. Um, uh, but we can live free today, too. We don't have to wait for the day of redemption. We can live in freedom today, too. So let's uh, keep, keep rolling through these. Uh, verse 31. I'm going to bounce back and forth here between 31 and 32. They're kind of set up in parallel. Uh, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Uh, instead, verse 32, be, be kind and compassionate. Uh, back to 31, uh, get rid of the, the brawling and slander and every kind of malice. Um, instead, at the end of verse 32, uh, forgive each other just as Christ and God forgave you. Um, uh, beginning of, of chapter 5, verse 2, said we're to walk in the way of love, like live a life controlled by love. That's the new way of life. The old way of life, verse 3, uh, it includes sexual immorality and impurity and greed. We're to put off those things. Uh, verse, verse four, we're also to put off uh, obscene 
and foolish and coarse talk. Um, and instead, the end of verse 4, uh, have thanksgiving, give, give thanks to God. That, those are the words, the language that should be uh, coming from our tongues. Uh, the, the next few verses really uh, talk about uh, how those who uh, have the, the old self, and that is their way of life, they don't have the mark of God's spirit in, in their life, that, that they, they don't inherit uh, the, the good stuff of God. And, and Paul is saying, hey, don't, don't partner with them. Uh, they're living by a completely different set of rules uh, than those who are called to Christ are to live. That's verse 7. Um, then, then in verse 8, we, we get that, that con a contrast again. The old, the old life, the, the, the new life. The old life of being in darkness, in darkness, and, and the new life of being in the light. Uh, verse 10, we're uh, supposed to, to learn uh, what pleases God and, and, and live that out. Uh, verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Um, instead, expose them. Uh, you read on, you, you realize we're supposed to expose them to the light. Um, uh, verse 14, Paul here is quoting uh, not, not the Old Testament, not previous scripture, but it must have been a saying that was a part of the early church. And, and the, the old way of life is likened to being dead, be, being asleep. But we're made alive. We're awakened. The new way of life is Christ shining on you. Um, a new way of life is be, be careful about how we live. Uh, not to live ignorantly, verse 15, but to, to live a, a wise life. Verse 18, uh, don't, don't become drunk on wine. Uh, that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with God's Spirit. Don't be filled with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Uh, and then, and then the conclusion here, he just hammers it home, this new way of life, speaking psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing with praise to God, always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of Jesus. Um, but, but, but I don't want you to miss this. It, it, it's really easy to, to miss this in the midst of the do's and the don'ts, uh, because there are a lot of them here. <laughs> a lot of live this way, don't live that way. Uh, but Paul, the writer here, was writing to churches that he helped to start. He's writing to people that he knew, people that he loved. And, and Paul reminds them of why, uh, why they want to live the new life. Uh, check this out. It's uh, just kind of uh, sprinkled in amidst uh, chapter 5 here. Um, verse 1, uh, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Uh, verse 3 um, after listing all the things that you're not to be a part of uh, in the old way of life, he says these are improper for who? For the Lord's people. Uh, verse 8, uh, you were once in darkness, now you are the light. You are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Paul, Paul reminds us of the why. And, and he's kind of pointing back from we're in the second half of the letter, the how to live your life as a follower of Christ, the upright moral, moral living. But he's pointing back to the, the first half of the book. He's saying, here's why. It, it's because of God's amazing love for you. All, all these do's and don'ts are because of God's love for us, which we can experience in Jesus Christ. You are God's beloved children. You are the Lord's holy people. Live as, as, as children of God, as children of the light. He reminds us of that. Well, we don't start with the right living. Uh, that, that would lead us into a prison. We start instead with, uh, with God's love for us. Now, uh, just a 
a shift here back to the beginning. Uh, verse 17, uh, which starts this whole section. Uh, we read that the old life, this uh, life of uh, living in darkness, is the life of, Paul says, the life of the Gentile. Uh, those, and a Gentile is essentially someone who is not Jewish, which I, I don't know everybody's ethnic heritage here, but I think that's most of us, uh, Gentiles. Uh, and you have to remember that the Christian faith began with Jewish people who believed that Jesus, uh, I believe, rightly believed, that Jesus was their, their promised Messiah, uh, that all the Old Testament pointed to his coming and the redemption that we find in him. Uh, but, but Jesus' ministry himself, he was really clear that he didn't come just for, the, for Jewish people. He came for, for everybody. He like opened the gate wide open for, for Gentile too. Uh, and, and Paul, an early Jewish follower of Jesus, he spent the bulk of his ministry sharing the love of Christ and, and showing that that gate is wide open. Um, and he shared uh, God's love with Gentiles who were formerly unbelievers. And that's who this old way of life is, who he's referring to. He's not just referring to Gentiles in general, but to unbelieving Gentiles, pe people who were far, far from God. Uh, they, they didn't even get the, the, the upright living uh, that was a part of the Jewish heritage of following God. Uh, they, they, they were lost, completely uh, unbelieving. And so that's, that's who Paul is referring to here when he says Gentiles. But but I also want to point out something really important uh, that, you know, that, that's a danger when we read a, a section like this. Uh, I, I think it's common for us to, to read a passage like this and dismiss the old way of life, the, uh, a life in darkness as the way of life that those people out there who don't believe live. I don't know about you, uh, but, but uh, I, I, I tend to be self-righteous in my reading at times, and I associate myself with the good guys. You know, I, I associate myself with, with the, those who have chosen the new life. Maybe you naturally, when you read a passage like this, you're like, yeah, that's, that's the new life. We've, we've chosen that, and it's the old life. That's all those people out there who don't believe. Uh, we're the good guys. We've chosen rightly. Uh, you, you do this, don't you? Uh, I'm not like the only one who's self-righteous, arrogant in my reading of Scripture at times, am I? Uh, maybe I am. I don't know. But, but Paul is saying to the Ephesians, he's saying these, uh, to these relatively new Christ followers, he says, look, you were one of them. Why, why else would he spend so much time writing to them about taking off the old self and putting on the new if they already had it all figured out and were living the completely new life already? And yet they were Christ followers. He's writing to people who had, who, who had been given the gift of God's grace, who had, the, who had been invited into the new life, but yet, yet they hadn't taken off their old self completely yet. And I would venture that neither have we. Uh, let me pitch this a different way. Um, uh, Paul, Paul says this uh, to open up the passage. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. 
What if instead he wrote these words? And these, this is kind of like my modern application translation for us today. What, what, what if he said this? I insist in the Lord that you must no longer live like your family of origin, the way you were raised. Well, now, that might change the way we see this a little bit, wouldn't it? And yet I believe that this is essentially what Paul is saying to these early Christ followers. He's telling them to live an entirely new way of life, to abandon everything that they know to live this new life in Christ. As a pastor, I have had the, the privilege uh, of being invited into uh, dozens of uh, people's wedding ceremonies as the pastor who, who marries a couple. And as a part of that process, I uh, require that they participate in premarital counseling. Uh, and, and I make myself available to do that. And so I've walked, walked this journey with, with uh, dozens of, of couples. And regardless of how well I know them, I always begin the first session by asking them to reflect on their family of origin, the family, the household that they grew up in, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, and and uh, I do this because I found that regardless of our intentions, we naturally, I mean, we default to bringing into adulthood and all of our adult relationships the, the history and the heritage uh, and the way of doing life that we experienced growing up, now, even if we don't do it intentionally. It, it just kind of comes with us. And in many cases, without being aware of it, we elevate those ways of approaching and doing life as the right way. And you've probably experienced how this can be problematic in, in a marriage unless it is really intentionally processed and worked through. But I bring this up because the dominant language of the scriptures overall uh, uh, in the Bible for what it means when we become a Christian is family language. And th there are other language like kingdom language, but it's primarily family language. We're adopted into God's family. We are uh, invited back into God's household. Um, remember what we just read, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 1, as dearly loved children of God, live this new life. Now, could it be that part of what Paul is saying here, part of the Bible's message to us in our present day is for us to get rid of the old sinful habits and patterns of our family of origin and put on the new ways of what it means to live in God's family, to be set free from the patterns of our past, even, even from our upbringing, or in, in some cases, especially from our upbringing. Um, and, and I would venture that this, this is really the nature and task of discipleship. This is what it means to grow in Christ. That, that's what it means to become wholehearted. That, that's what Jesus was saying when, when he said this very difficult teaching in Luke chapter 14, when he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, Jesus says such a person cannot be my disciple. 
And that, that is a passage that a lot of us, we just dislike. Um, we struggle with. But what Jesus is saying here is we've got to be willing to part with the old way if we're going to embrace the new way. Sadly, though, I think when we're really honest and we look below the surface, most of us are, aren't living uh, very differently from how our families of origin that we grew up in lived. Now, now, some of you are fortunate enough to have been raised in amazing Christian homes. And I'm just going to be real honest. Uh, I am jealous of you. Um, but that doesn't mean that those families are perfect. Uh, probably, probably far from it. Um, e- even those families have ways of viewing and practicing life that need to be put off in order to come in line with the new life that God made us alive for. Some for instances. Um, now, how did your family view money? Was it as, as a source of security? Uh, maybe as a measure of success, how well you're doing? Is that the way God views money? Or how did your family approach conflict? As something to avoid at all costs? Or maybe as an opportunity for the loudest, most dominant person to win all the time? Uh, Is that how the Bible approaches conflict? How about things like retirement? Or singleness? Or sex? or anger, or responsibility to family and or culture? How how did your family define success? Uh, As getting into the best school? As making a a bunch of money? As getting married and having children? How does God, though, define success? Or, Or dealing with feelings? Did your family provide an environment where people could express all of their feelings? How about grief? Were your feelings valued? Is it possible that your family overemphasized reactive feelings over wisdom? What does God say about all of that? Are you living the old life or the new. You know, to be completely honest, uh, when, I, when I look at the left-hand column here, uh, despite the fact that I received many blessings from my family of origin, I see an awful lot of old life stuff from my upbringing. Uh, for instance, uh, lying. Lying was common growing up in my family. We would lie, we would, we would withhold truth from one of the parents or the other because the truth would probably really tick them off. We'd keep secrets. Um, si- uh, I, I see sinful anger, um, slander, and malice within my family of growing up. A lot of unwholesome talk. Um, I, I witnessed prolonged bitterness um, uh, toward, particularly toward extended family that led to all kinds of, and continues to lead to all kinds of um, uh, broken relationships. 
Um, I, I experienced greed and a whole lot of obscene and coarse language uh, still to this day. Um, interestingly enough, uh, that was one of the, the first early ways that I struggled uh, putting off the old self to put on the new self when I was in a, a brand new, really wholehearted follower of Jesus. And, and it was so difficult to get rid of the coarse, foul language that always came out of my mouth because that's what I just grew up with. Um, and, and it was so difficult. And yet, looking back, it is, that was such a surface level putting off of the old self and putting on the new. I mean, so, so much of this stuff is deep. Um, and can be quite elusive. I mean, we might not even be aware of the effects of some of this old way of life that has been passed on from generation to generation in our family of origin. And I share all of this because none of us, just to say none of us, is exempt from this ongoing necessary action of putting off the old to getting rid of it and, and putting on the new it is the only way to break free from the past. And the process of doing so is, is also in this passage. Um, you, you could easily glance over it, uh, but, the, but the way of doing this is right here in chapter 5, um, uh, starting at verse 11. We, we, we put off the old stuff by bringing it into the light. have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And down in verse 13, it, it makes it clear what exposing it involves. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Another translation kind of um, uh, spells out what that becomes visible is all about. Uh, here's what another translation says. And when all things are brought out into the light, then their true nature is revealed. That's a great way of describing something becoming visible. Their true nature is revealed. Friends, it is essential that we reflect on all of the messages that were handed down to us, even the ones that we consider good and right. It is important that we reflect on those and ultimately be willing to submit them to Jesus and, and to his word. Doing this hard work, and make no mistake about it, it is work. It requires action and ongoing participation with God's spirit. It, it is hard work. It is painful, but it's worth it. Uh, furthermore, uh, please hear me uh, loud and clear. There are no quick fixes <laughs> to putting off the old and putting on the new. You, you cannot quickly break free from uh, from the past. It's a lifelong process, and we need a lot of grace from each other in the process. Um, it, it, but it cannot happen. It cannot happen outside the foundation of experiencing God's pleasure in you and God's love for you. And, and get this, and I, and I just want to end with this. I, I love this about God, and it grieves me when we get this wrong in the church. I want you to hear this, uh, particularly those of you who are newer to the church uh, or, or maybe newer to trying to follow Jesus. Um, may, maybe those of you who, who you read this and you're like, whoa, 
old way of life. That's a lot of me. Um, hear this loud and clear. God does not require you to break free from your past in order to be loved by him. Nor, nor, nor does he expect you to break free from your past before you come to him. He loves you. You experience his love. And then, and only then, are you given the power through the Holy Spirit to step out of the darkness and into the light. And, and, and that's the way that our church is supposed to work too. I'd like to think it is the way that our church works. You know, you're not expected to have everything in your life figured out before you are welcome here. All of us who are regular attenders, all of us who are members, uh, who call this our church home, all of our staff, all the people who stand before you and preach and teach the word of God, we are all still actively in the process of putting off the old and putting on the new. So you don't have to have it all figured out before you are embraced by the wide open arms of God and this church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, uh, we've got a lot to thank you for. Thank you for adopting us into your family, for rescuing us, for, for calling us your own, your own children. Lord, thank you for your spirit, your mark on our lives, your promise that we belong to you and that no matter what prisons we might be stuck in, that one day we will be set free. Lord, thank you also that you want us to break free from our past right now, today. Lord, would you give us the strength and the courage to, to reflect on, on our life, on every part of our hearts, every part of our attitudes, every behavior, every habit, to reflect on those, on our old way of life that, that were passed on to us, from our family of origin, Lord, would you help us bring into the light those practices, those, those ways of viewing success or handling money or dealing with conflict or feelings or anger or, or ways of relating to one another. Lord, would you help us bring those into the light and submit them to your word and in doing so, put on the new life. Step out of the darkness and into your light. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, who himself stepped out of the light of heaven and into our darkness so that we might find the way back into his marvelous light. All of God's people agreed and said, amen. And let's, let's stand and, and worship together in this closing song that um, sings of that marvelous light.